Welcome back. Here we are. Here we are once again, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again to Up Back Through, a soccer coaching podcast brought to you by Running the Show, a blog for everyone in love with the beautiful game. Uh, this is Eddie Prue coming to you live from Seattle, Washington, joined as always by uh, our tactical master and guru, David Cellini from Linköping, Sweden. Good morning to you, David. Good morning, Eddie. What an introduction. Tactical master and guru. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'm not, I'm not uh, overreaching when I say that. Um, and you're going you're gonna to show us why that is again today as we dive into a very uh, interesting topic, a very fun topic, uh, it's sort of a new phenomena that we see happening uh, in the world. Um, and I'm talking uh, mainly about uh, the Red Bull soccer system. Um, and when I say that it's something that uh, we see happening throughout the world, I, I mean Red Bull's literal uh, you know, expansion with clubs all around the world. And um, I also want to acknowledge that another it, it's happening in a couple forms. Like Red Bull is doing this kind of global expansion and uh, like club networking and like, you know, kind of like system building. Uh, we're also seeing it done uh, by City Football Group, who is the, uh, the, the holding company that um, is responsible for clubs like Manchester City, uh, first and foremost, and then clubs like uh, New York City FC, uh, I think, what is it, Melbourne City in uh, Australia, yeah. uh, Girona in Spain, um, <laughs> we'll get into what they're doing as well but uh mainly yeah we want to talk red bull because um i know the champions league semifinals have just uh, concluded today so we've got chelsea and city in the final uh very very nervy tuesday afternoon for me yesterday but uh wow what a performance from uh from city very very proud very happy to see them uh reach the champions league final for the first time in their history um, one more game to go for us, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're talking about Red Bull today, and I guess uh, they were more prevalent in Champions League last year, reaching all the way, getting all the way to the semifinals. Um, they went out this year uh, in the last 16 to, uh, you know, to Liverpool, who were doing well in, in Europe. Um, yeah, so let's, I guess, let's... Uh, why don't you just give us a nice introduction into Red Bull and what uh, is going on with this unique conglomerate? You know, I, I mean, Red Bull was nothing more than uh, an energy drink, maybe. I guess I don't know when we can say this all started twenty years ago or so, but they are mm. they are much more than that. So what uh, what's going on? Who are what is what is Red Bull? What is the Red Bull soccer system? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we can obviously start by looking at which clubs they they do have. So they have one club in America. The New York Red Bulls. Uh, they have one in Brazil. Uh, I think it's called Red Bull Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then they obviously have two clubs in Europe, uh, Red Bull Salzburg and RB Leipzig. Uh, and then also they have, you can call it a, a like a feeder club. Uh, some some uh, some players go there to develop, and that club is called Liefering. So it's not. Uh, 
you know explicitly part of the Red Bull network, uh, but it's a club that's very that's very connected to to the way they, in which they work. Uh, so they have basically four proper clubs and then a fifth one that they that they uh, you know cooperate with quite a lot. And I mean, you you talked there about the the product, the the energy drink, the can, as they often refer to it, and uh, it's it's interesting just basically on how they build their playing style and their playing philosophy because uh, I read a lot of, a lot of articles and like uh, discussions of of the purpose of of Red Bull having these clubs and and branching into sports and it's not only football it's like alpine skiing or it's uh, Formula One or it's, you know all kinds of sports that they go in and sponsor athletes and obviously then they get you know um advertising for the product uh, and they can market the product uh, on the on you know the kits or at stadiums or whatever it might be uh and the target group is young people uh and the target group is people who aren't probably not older than 30 in, in most cases so when they started building this football network they wanted to create a playing style that also uh, attracted young people so that the young people would then go and buy their product uh, so the playing philosophy is quite similar to all clubs um, there is a uh, you know Jesse Marsh who's now the the uh, manager at, at RB Salzburg and will move to Leipzig uh, in, uh, in in the summer uh, he's spoken about there being like a general Red Bull philosophy that all coaches can then interpret in their own way uh, so we see a difference between how Marsh plays at Salzburg to how Nagelsmann plays at Leipzig, for example, because they interpret this philosophy differently. Um, but in general, this philosophy is based around quick football. Uh, so when they don't have the ball, they press really high. They press intense, like with a lot of intensity. They're very aggressive and they take risks in the way they defend. So they move high off the pitch. They try and cause errors from from the opposition and win the ball and cause turnovers and and go and, and counterattack quickly uh, and. In terms of what they actually do when they have the ball, it's extremely vertical. So they try and play forward as soon as possible, uh, which means when you look at the games, like this this past weekend, I, I watched uh, the New York Red Bulls and I watched uh, Red Bull Salzburg, like just after after each other on, on Saturday night. And I mean the similar similarities between the two teams and the two coaches, there Gerhard Struber and and, and Marsh, uh, the similarities are are so evident. Uh, in the way they play, so it's it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's end to end, which which uh, can be seen also in the Champions League when 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 Salzburg has been in there because their games could go either way. So they played Liverpool in a famous game uh, like 18 months ago now, where they lost 4-3, uh, so they were three 0 down, came back to 3-3, still lost the game 4-3, but that earned them a lot of a lot of praise around Europe. And then we had the game against Bayern Munich this season where they. Uh, they have they have uh, they, they play the best team in Europe at that point, and the score is two two with like ten minutes to go. But they continue playing their way because that's the way they think and the way they they wanna wanna act and the way they wanna present themselves to the world. And then they concede four in the last ten minutes um, because they they obviously take risk with the way they play, but it's it's very infectious and you can see why people are attracted to to watching them. And when people are attracted to watching them, then obviously people will, you know, without like subconsciously, get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, access, I guess, to 
to the product uh, because you will see it everywhere on their on their shirt uh, on their on in in their stadium on banners and stuff. So <clears throat> it's it's interesting that they created a style of play based on the thinking of Ralph Rangnick largely uh, that will go about actually connecting to the product that that the company uh, sells. So uh, that's that's the way they play, and it's it's really interesting. I, I think. In general, when we look at uh, look at the way these networks uh, of, of clubs work, it's interesting to see how connected they are. And, and the Red Bull network is, is uh, extremely connected in, in everything from recruitment to playing style. So it's it's uh, it's interesting to see if this will continue with other networks as well. I mean, you mentioned the City Football Group, and I think they have some similarities as well in the way they want to work because, because uh, it's part of an identity, I guess. Yeah, you said it. It's so funny that uh, the the energy drink company is known for like you know really direct attacking football. Uh, it'd be so funny if they were known for like a really slow like you know just like relaxed build up. <laughs> Everyone's yeah, like, exactly. And, and that's this? not a coincidence, is it? I mean, it's, it's, that's that's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah, no, and it works. And uh, I mean, good for uh, <clears throat> good for them for uh, you know like deploying kind of a. a an identifiable, you know, uh, brand of football, but also good for them for, you know, having all this money and everything and, and really building this kind of this, this unique uh, infrastructure and uh, kind of like, you know, clear like step systems, you know, like the, the clubs are clearly, uh, you know, Liefering, Salzburg, and then Leipzig is obviously the big one. And then Brazil, I, I, I don't know, you, you consider that also a feeder club, but, um yeah like the the clear pathway to to the highest level of red bull football is is interesting and um yeah there's players that you can there's several players that you can point to that have literally played at every step and gone through the entire red bull system um Mm -hmm. that's really interesting and again like you said with city football group they're doing almost the exact same thing with uh with their expansion and their kind of like network building it's tough to say um it's tough to work out all the, 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 the logic of these uh, groups like city, for example, just expanded in, in Bolivia of all places. They bought a team called, uh, who was it? Who did they buy? Uh, Bolivar club Bolivar, um, which is so, I, you know, I lived in Bolivia and played in Bolivia growing up. That's uh, a country I know very well, and uh, it's to me, if you're going to have a South American presence, a presence, it's such a weird country to invest in because it's not. Uh, it's still, you know, it's very much a developing country. It's it's not a wealthy country, but they uh, they saw something there, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you know, you know that it, it's a weird relationship because I read about the the uh, the partnership with Bolivar and. It just said they would get access to all of, you know, cities, city groups uh, resources in terms of like technology and coaching and everything. And I'm like, OK, that's that's all great. But what is what is city football group getting out of this? And I guess it's just a presence in South America. And um, mm. But, yeah, I mean, to, to start in a country like Bolivia is uh, definitely makes me scratch my head. But, yeah, it's the same exact uh, kind of concept, just expand and uh globalize and be more and all these all these clubs have kind of like similar i mean red bull obviously their logos in pretty much all their teams but um but cities as well it's like it's the 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 badges a lot of a lot of these clubs are very like they share a kinship like new york city fc Mm -hmm. and city themselves they all have like kind of a circular 
uh, blue for the most part mm. badge. So uh, same with Bolivar. So um, it's interesting, definitely. Uh, and yeah, so beyond uh, the style of play that Red Bull have made their own, uh, they're also really really good at developing their players and also their clever you know scouting tactics so um why don't you touch a little bit on what they're doing right on on that side of the on that side of the, of the uh business yeah and i think that's uh, in part also why you have uh, different clubs at different um you know you could say hierarchies of football and and different continents because it allows you to develop players and in a different way to if you had all the players at your own club uh, because it, it will open up possibilities for more players to play first team football uh, within your system so if a player say a player is at, is at Leipzig and is not getting game time you could just move him to Salzburg and and, and they could develop in a in a, a league that is not as good I mean the Austrian league is not as good as the German league so uh, you could you could drop down and, and possibly play there and develop and then when you come back, you would still have have played and developed within a, uh, a style that is quite similar to the one uh, that your parent club uh, would would uh, practice. So it's not like we often see, uh, especially Man United have been really bad at this. That when you have young players that are, you know, when when young players come through into the first team, they're obviously expected to play as the first team plays. Uh, but then. When you send people out on loan and those clubs that, the, that you loan the players to are playing extremely different, then, yeah, of course, the players get games, but they're not possibly getting games to practice, uh, you know, their skills that will be needed when they play for, for say, Man United. And, I mean, we have an obvious, like, obvious example right now with uh, with the young Uruguayan um, Pelistri, who signed for United in, in the summer. And spent the first six months at uh, with the under-23 team, uh, and then he went on loan to Alaves in Spain. Uh, and they very rarely have the ball. I mean, they are ex- an extremely defensive team. So he's working a lot on his pressing and his covering and and his you know basically winning physical battles with fullbacks when when they go and attack. Uh, but he gets very very little uh, practice for his attacking. Uh, talents, which he will obviously need if he's going to play right wing for for Manchester United. So uh, that's that's an issue that clubs have when you loan players out because you need to find clubs that fit your style. And w- but when you have a network of clubs like like Red Bull does or or like the City Football Group does, then you obviously don't have to worry that much about the playing style. So it's more like will they get game time and and that's good then that you have different clubs. You can send them to New York or you can send them to Salzburg, you can sell them to Brazil if you need to, or you can sell them to send them to uh to Liefering uh to get to get game time. So it helps them to develop players and I think that's the main the main reason between I mean obviously you get a, a presence so in terms of marketing you get a presence on different continents for the product. So that's probably in, in within the the thinking as well, but in terms of developing players, it allows you to to move them around to find the right level for them, uh, whilst you know still playing first team football, uh, which I think is really really beneficial. Uh, and to get that kind of familiarity with the way a team plays, uh, so when next season when when Jesse Marsh is at is at Leipzig, and if you have a player there who's not playing. It's so easy for them to just, yeah, well, you know what, just go and play for 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 half a season at Salzburg, and they will play in a, such a similar way that when the player comes back, he will be 
at home with the system. There will be a few changes, obviously, in between coaches, as I said, that they interpret the 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 Red Bull philosophy differently. But I mean, they will be you know primed and geared towards performing in within that system uh, if they had a good spell away. Uh, and then, I mean, if you look just at the players and how they move them around. I think at Leipzig now you have eight players who used to play for Salzburg at some point, um, which is obviously almost half the squad. Uh, and then you have also Tyler Adams who who uh, came to Europe from from New York Red Bulls. So that's another example of someone actually coming from across the continent. So they knew, Tyler Adams performed at, at the New York Red Bulls and then they moved him to to Europe and and put him straight at Leipzig. Uh, and I mean the same thing happened with Andrew Romalio who came from Brazil. Uh, and was put straight at uh, at Salzburg. So uh, it's it's obvious that they use these clubs for player development uh, purposes. Uh, and I mean that that's a given in a way because, as we mentioned, the style of play is very intense. Uh, it's high intensity. It's a lot of running. Uh, players have to constantly try and get in behind, with, g- given the vertical nature of the way they play and. They counterattack at, at pace and they press all the time and they counterpress aggressively. So you need to be able to run. And usually the players that are able to run for 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 longer spells and at higher intensity are young players. And that's why they focus on young players. So it's crucial for the way they play and it's crucial for their ability to constantly make these profits that they do. So uh, the best example of this would be Dio Opamecano, who they signed from from Valencia in, in France, and uh, he he started at Liefering, so the the uh, the feeder club, uh, and then he played there for a season. Then he came to Salzburg, played there for a season, and then he moved to Leipzig. and And then uh, after having I don't know how how long he's been at Leipzig now, but say three four years, and then they sell him for for big money to to Bayern Munich. So uh, it's uh, it's obvious that they want to have young players for the way they play. But also for their ability to, to turn to turn a profit, uh, because when you when you say you sell a player for 20 million, and then you can buy someone for 10, and then you can sell that player for 30, and then you can buy someone for 20, so you constantly upgrade the team whilst constantly also making profit. Uh, and if we just have a quick look at at the players Red Bull Salzburg have have sold in the last in the last 10 years or so, I mean it's obvious that they they do something really well. So I'm just going to reel off some names here. So Nabi Keita uh, came through at Salzburg, was sell- sold to Leipzig for almost 30 million euros. Uh, Sadio Mane was sold to Southampton. Uh, Erling Haaland, one of the latest ones, sold to Dortmund. Then uh, Dominic Soboslai sold to Leipzig. Uh, and and the, you know, the list goes on. Uh, and it's interesting that of the 10 most expensive uh, departures, four have been to Leipzig. So, I mean... The- <laughs> The connectedness between the clubs is clear. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and uh, like like you said, I mean, uh, for there to be such a clear path is so unique. Uh, where you're not, where like as soon as a player gets, they're like, okay, this guy needs to get in some games. It's it's a lo- it's so much different from sending them on, uh, like just off with like the under twenty threes to play on, you know, like on just a field on, on Sunday or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. this is like, you're going to a whole different club. You're playing in front of a whole different fan base. Um, You're really playing first team football like you would on loan, but you're on loan to a team that's guaranteed to play in a similar way as uh, your parent club. So 
it is a unique situation, but, um, and, you know, I'd like to say that that's like the main reason for their success, but uh, it's much more than that. Like you just pointed out, it's their, it's their recruiting ability. It's their development ability. And uh, yeah, those names, I mean, speak for themselves, the profit that they've made, the, uh, the and this is just like uh, other clubs we've talked about on recent podcasts where, you know, we talked about Juventus, we talked about uh, uh, Monaco and uh, Lille uh, last episode, these mm. clubs that just produce talent or, or, or buy and recruit very cleverly and then can move players on for much more money and just keep rebuilding and, and, and strengthening because, as you look at the table right now, uh, Leipzig—they're not going to catch Bayern at the top of the Bundesliga, but they're—they're gonna—they're gonna finish second, and mm-hmm. uh, you know most likely. And uh, I mean, for a team like Leipzig, who haven't hardly spent any money at all uh, in the grand scheme of things, and you know have have sold uh, players for big money, that's—I mean, that's that's incredible. It's an incredible feat. So, um, mm. yeah, I mean. Uh, I think it's on a personal level. I'm re- I'm really excited to see what an American's going to do at the uh, at the helm of such a big club. I, I in in my I was trying to think. I don't think there's been an American manager uh, at at such a level uh, in Europe before. Um, at oh, least not that Bradley I can... at Swansea, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that was the, that was the next one. I I couldn't think of anything higher than that. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be very exciting to see. Um, yeah, and it's it's obviously going to be great to see because now obviously uh, Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, has coached Leipzig for a few seasons and he's going to Bayern and Bayern usually win the Bundesliga so it's going to be uh, a Red Bull coach at Bayern uh, and then there's going to be Jesse Marsh uh, at Leipzig who will try and challenge his Red Bull colleague as he as he still is uh, and then you obviously have uh, Marco Rosa who takes over at, at uh, Borussia Dortmund so the you could probably say the three uh, title challengers for next season will all have Red Bull coaches. Um, so it would be really interesting to see if they, if they, if we have a Red Bull coach winning the Bundesliga next season, because that seems quite likely. Uh, it would take uh, someone else to to really surprise to go and go and win it, because there are Red Bull coaches all over the Bundesliga right now, and they they come into England as well, and they, they're obviously in New York, uh, as, as we mentioned, with the New York Red Bulls, which makes sense, I guess, because it's a Red Bull club. But, I mean, these co- coaches are popping up, and they all... That's, an, that's a different thing. Like, we talked about players, and we'll, and we'll return to some to some names of, of some players in the system now. But if you just look at the coaches as well, because there's a clear pathway for coaches too. Uh, I mean, everything stems from Ralf Rangnick. He's like the godfather of German yeah. coaching, in a way. Uh, and it's his philosophy... That is the philosophy that that the Red Bull uh, Red Bull uh, network use uh, because or uses because he was was brought in to establish a style of play, right? And we can see all these players come all these coaches coming through now uh, that they have this pathway. So you have so we we talked about Marco Rosa quickly there. So he was the under 19s coach at Salzburg. Uh, then he was promoted to be uh, the first team coach. So so uh, an in-house promotion, and then from there he was uh, obviously picked by by Borussia Mönchengladbach. So uh, he was doing well at youth level and was then promoted to the first team. So that's an in-house recruitment that they, that they did. Uh, and to replace him when he left, they bring in Jesse Marsh, and that's so interesting because he's obviously worked at Red Bull in New York. So he he was the New York Red Bulls coach for a few years. Then he was brought over to Europe to work as the assistant for Rangnick at Leipzig. Uh, 
to kind of groom him, I, I guess, for a, for a role in European football and also to to practice German, uh, as he's spoken a lot about. Um, so he had a year year of living in Europe, of living in Germany and speaking the language and working within within uh, Leipzig with Rangnick, and then he is brought in to replace Rosa at Salzburg to become their next coach, and then he does well there. And then when Nagelsmann leaves Leipzig, they pick in again an in-house in a way recruitment. So they pick Marsh and move him from Salzburg to Leipzig, and then. Who replaces him at at Salzburg? Oh, it's the Liefering coach. So I mean, it's so clear to see that they they also have this pathway for coaches, not only players. So they want obviously coaches who know the way they play and play the way that they want to to see their teams play. So it's just it's connected everywhere, and this is why it's so interesting because they do so many things well. Uh, and it's just I think it's a matter of time before they before they win a German title because uh, that's going to be the that's going to be the challenge for them and the goal, I think, whether to really see all their work vindicated uh, to win the Bundesliga and, and finish above Bayern Munich because they won the Austrian league now, I don't know how many times, six or seven years in a row or something like that. And they're obviously the best team in, in Austria. They've started to come into the Champions League uh, with Salzburg twice in the group stage, but also Leipzig being in there twice and, and being uh, going through to the knockout stages. And as you mentioned earlier, like re- reaching the semis last season. Uh, so they're getting closer and it will be interesting to see and it will be, I mean, a vindication of all this entire network if an American coach from the New York Red Bulls would be the one to finally you know, win that Bundesliga title. It would be uh, you know, the culmination of, of all of this, I guess. It would be pretty clear uh, evidence that the system does work if you can bring an American coach over and groom them through the system and then, and then he goes on and wins the Bundesliga but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I think uh, Jesse Marsh has still got some learning to do. I, I think he's a really uh, fun coach. Um, when I watch his like uh, locker room speeches and all that and listen to his po- like I've heard him on a, a several podcasts now just mm. to kind of get a better feel of who he is as a person uh, before this episode. And have you seen <laughs> I, I hate to do this to the uh, to the American coach, but have you have you heard of uh, what's the show that's going, that everyone's talking about? With the American coach that coaches uh, the fictitious, the fiction, the fictitious team in England. You know what I'm talking about? What's this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because over here in America, like, it, I mean, I, I've only seen a couple episodes. I should watch more. It's really, it's actually a really great show, uh, really feel good show, and then surprisingly accurate too. Um, it's about for those of you who haven't seen it, it's about an American coach, uh, American football coach. Um, who goes over to coach a Premier League team and uh, doesn't know anything about the game, but surprisingly, you know, like connects with the players and, you know, et cetera. It's a feel-good story and uh, the team does well, surprisingly. And uh, it's 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 a fun show, funny show. But uh, I was actually telling one of my colleagues here, like, that there are coaches who are very much just like single player motivators, not so much tactical masters or whatever. They're just like, they're, they're, they're coaches who really inspire you to play well and to fight and do all that, you know, just typical kind of like hype, uh, hyped up uh, type of uh, coaching. But um, Jesse Marsh, I think, is a little bit of that. He does have that kind of uh, a little bit of kind of endearing and also just kind of uh, like stereotypical but fun, appreciated, like American, like hype, you know. 
that's mm. not seen in a lot of European stuff. Like he's, you know, he's you very know what energetic. I mean. Very energetic very, for sure, and very. It seems uh, to be. I've, I've watched the uh, I watched the uh, documentary uh, that uh, Red Bull Salzburg released, uh, where you go like in the. It's like all these shows that came out from Amazon a few years ago, uh, the All or Nothing, but it's it's like an in-house production at Salzburg, uh, and I mean Jesse Marsh comes across really well. I mean in terms of of his man management and his uh, ability to motivate players, uh, you know it's it's really impressive to see. And I think he's also uh, I agree with what you say that he's very he's he has an infectious personality. I think it's it's import it's impossible to work with him. And not wanna like properly sacrifice and 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 work for like work everything you have and show and you know go through pain for him because he seems to be someone who can unite a group of players and um, by the way he handles them in terms of personalities and he seems very connected to his players and he seems very good at at motivating them and he brings a lot of energy and enthusiasm to the game but I think it's good tactically as well I mean some of the some of the things I've seen his team his team do in the last two seasons has been really impressive. Uh, so I think he has a big future ahead of him, because if you can connect the the man management and the motivating parts of, of of coaching with you know a solid tactical understanding and knowledge, I think you're you're well set. Uh, so it's really interesting to see how he does at Leipzig. Uh, I think that's that's going to be one of the most interesting stories to follow next season and that whole. Dynamic with Nagas at Bayern, uh, and then competing with with his former club will be interesting to see as well. So uh, I think I think Jesse Marsh uh, is an extremely promising coach. Um, but yeah, you you definitely see that he's American, and he says so himself. I mean, he says that uh, I listened to some podcast when he said that he uh, he felt that Americans have a kind of built-in arrogance uh, in terms of that they they they, they just feel. You could probably answer this that you know if you if we want something we go and take it and uh, we believe that we will succeed uh, in a way uh, and I mean that's a good starting point for for a coach especially moving into to you know to foreign countries. Yeah, I love that about him and he's he's right to kind of just own that to be like yeah I am American I am like a little bit you know um, stereotypically American and then I am kind of like a hype man. And I'm, I'm like you said, he does have an infectious personality. He's definitely one of those coaches that you just want to put it all on the line for and win for. So uh, that's definitely a good foundation. But obviously, if you're going to win the Bundesliga, you need the tactical part. And uh, you yeah. say he has that as well. So that will definitely be interesting to see because he's got a whole new um, crop of players that uh, definitely the ability of the, the players at Sol- uh, Leipzig, Leipzig is going to be a huge step up from Salzburg. Uh, no yeah. disrespect to Salzburg, but um, I'd like to. I'm gonna enjoy seeing what he's capable of with with players of this caliber. And, and on that note, then on that yeah. note, then yes. uh, we could refer people to runningtheshowblog.wordpress.com because I've written a piece on on uh, Jesse Marsh's tactics and uh, how they might suit uh, his new squad at Leipzig. So go and check that out. Um, it's proved quite popular uh, in recent recent days so uh, hopefully you will like it too so just go in have a read and see see if you agree with me uh, and we can just touch upon a few of those things here like uh, when we looked at, at that Leipzig squad uh, I think it's a really interesting squad uh, would you agree Did, like any players there that you really like oh man plenty of players that I like on on, on uh, Leipzig and 
it's a squad. You got to remember, you look at this squad, and uh, the, this is a team that reached the Champions League semifinals last year. So um, it's a it's an interesting combination of players that they've graduated through the Red Bull system, and uh, also just players that they've plucked from uh, from other places that turned out to be exceptional uh, contributors. So um, I mean, the first player that I've that I've I don't know what to to make of this per, this player's situation at Man City um, and and now beyond at, at Leipzig what they've proven uh, to do on the biggest stage uh, at Leipzig. But that's Angelino, man, the the uh, the left sided defender, wing back, uh, mm. whatever you want to call him. But I mean, for for City for so long to have such a big problem at left back, and then to have this player that comes up through your academy, I I, I never quite understood what. Uh, what didn't fit at City. Um, he claims to have had a few differences. With, I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate, but I wish, I mean, and to see what he's capable of now, I think he's an unbelievable player. And uh, I wish I wish it would have worked out for him at City because we've spent so much money to address our left-back problem. And uh, um, I mean, I, I guess we're, we can see a, a performance like Zinchenko uh, against PSG and say, ah, it doesn't really matter. But um, yeah, that's for me. I, I love that player. He's just so energetic mm. and so good on the ball. Um, mm. And again, they you know they they snipped him for uh, for like twenty million, I think, at the end of the day. So I think uh, the way mm. they do business is great. But um, beyond him, I love Emil Forsberg, the Swede who they uh, plucked yes. from Malmo a couple uh, several years ago, who went on to I think at one point did he? I think he either tied or broke the record for assists in a, in, in a Bundesliga season. I think he broke De Bruyne's yeah. record one season a couple of years ago. Um, fantastic player, fantastic winger. Um, I love Christopher, Christopher Nkunku. Yeah. Uh, another player who uh, was at a big club, was at PSG, and who they you know saw something in and snipped him up as well. Um it's an interesting. It's a. It's an interesting group, man. They you got uh, a Korean presence, um, or more. You had more of a presence before uh, Minamino left for um, uh, Liverpool, but you have Huang He Huang He Chan. Uh, I know he's been linked to some Premier League clubs recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Amadou Haidara, the central midfield player who came up through all those clubs through Liefering, through Salzburg, uh, Sabitzer. Mm-hmm. You're gonna. They're gonna have to uh, address the center of defense with uh, Konate yeah. joining Liverpool and uh, Upamecano going to to Bayern. But no, it's a very. I mean, I could go on. Danny Olmo, what a random player. You know, like this Spanish player who came to prominence in Croatia, and now he's. Uh, yeah. Now he's. There's just so many. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll let you. I'll let you have a crack yeah. at that. A really interesting career tra- trajectory for Danny Olmo. Uh, like going extremely through weird. Going yeah. to Zagreb and then going to Germany, uh, but it worked. It worked. I mean, that and that shows that you can go and play in different countries, uh, which you personally can show that you can. It's a nice way of 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 uh, performing a, or you know earning a career in football. Um, but yeah, uh, just Minamino. He wasn't at Leipzig though. He was at Salzburg uh, and went to Liverpool. That's the only oh, thing I would like. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> no worries. Uh, but yeah. as you can see, they do they do find talent in random places. Yeah. I think is there another? There might be a couple other Korean players at Salzburg. I'm not sure, but um, as no, you I'm can see, sure. yeah, they they do. Is there not? Uh, I think I think Okugawa, a Jap- Japanese player, is still there. Uh, oh, I'm not okay. sure about the how, if they have any Koreans, but I mean in general, 
if you look at that squad and it, you know its suitability for Marsh, I mean, you have players who can play in midfield, be really aggressive and and be very clever with the way they use the ball. You mentioned Sabitzer and I mean Kevin Campbell has played at all Red Bull clubs, I guess, mm-hmm. and under so many Red Bull coaches, so he's going to be important. Uh, I'm a you know a massive fan of Dominic Soboslai, uh, the Hungarian. I think it's still only 20 as well. Uh, Hungarian playmaker who at Salzburg played as a as a left-sided attacking midfielder, so kind of like a Marsh calls calls his system 4-2-2, 4-2-2-2, and that he has two tens. Uh, so they started as wingers and then move into play as, as number tens. And and uh, Soboslai played as the left-sided one often. And I mean he's he's such an elegant, graceful player. Uh, like I, I think he's balletic in the way he moves across the pitch and his touch on the ball is you know remarkable he scored an incredible goal for Hungary in the in the playoffs for the Euros where he just ran with the ball for I don't know 50 yards and then just caressed it into the bottom corner um so technically he's 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 perfect uh he's really intense as well uh very very quick um good presser and and he's very intelligent in the way he picks up positions uh, behind the op- opposition's midfield and as I mentioned he's balletic he's extremely elegant in the way he moves and he glides across the pitch and I mentioned to you earlier that I think that he when when you watch him play or at least when I do uh, I feel like he's, his feet never touch the grass it's like he's floating on the surface of the pitch uh, and it's just he's a lovely player to watch and I can't wait to see how he will develop at Leipzig uh, under, under his former coach Marsh next season so He's he's going to compete with with Emil Forsberg as you mentioned. Um, so that's going to be an interesting position. And obviously they have Olmo and they have Nkunku who can play as those attacking midfielders. Um, they have Haidara who can who can come in there. I'm interested to see how Tyler Adams does uh, when when Marsh comes there because obviously Marsh coached him at, at uh, in New York, and he's had a good season I, I think under under Nagelsmann both this season and last season. Um, so interesting to see if he can develop further. Uh, and then you mentioned Huang He Chan, who uh, was a revelation in the Champions League last season, uh, hasn't really had a look in at Leipzig. Uh, so he could probably have a rejuvenation of his career when when Marsh arrives. So it's yes, it's an and yeah. another play. Just I just wanted to point out that I don't know if I made it clear that he started with Salzburg, uh, had amazing mm-hmm. numbers, uh, was loaned to Leifering, was loaned to Hamburg. But yeah, look at him. I mean, the exact exact uh, prototype of a player who comes through uh, all these systems and gets game time at all these places. And uh, I think, like you say, he could he could end up being a surprise uh, striker, mm. scoring you know 15, 17 goals next year. Yeah, because I think Marsh he really wants quick strikers who can run in behind. As I said, they're very extremely vertical. So when they win the ball, they want to attack in behind. And the strikers that that Leipzig have. Uh, in their squad now, you have uh, Yusuf Polson and Alexander Serloth, uh, who are both quite, you know, physical strikers, more target men. Uh, so, Huang will, in a way, fill a function of being able to to run in behind them. Uh, and I think that we might see. Uh, we we spoke about Patson Daka a few weeks ago when we talked about Juventus and we we talked about strikers they could target. And I think it would make sense for. Leipzig to go and and get one one of uh, Salzburg's best players this summer because Dak has obviously worked under Marsh for a few years. He's an incredible goal scorer and he is someone who would you know he would he would thrive in the Bundesliga under Marsh. So uh, that would be a clever deal to do. I think also Seko Koita 
uh, another young, interesting player at at uh, at Salzburg, who's you know his goals his goal scoring record is insane. He has he has like 14 goals in 16 games or something, uh, and he's not normally one of the starters. Uh, so he's an extremely interesting player as well to see if he can possibly make a move, uh, if not to Leipzig, then to, to some other club, because he's he looks really talented. And in a way, he's an example of another key aspect of March's leadership, that he works with all the players and he rotates the squad. So he doesn't only focus on the first 11. Uh, so he, you know, you, they rotate around four or five strikers just to make sure that everyone's fit and everyone is ready to, to you know, provide with the same intensity that they need and also to keep everyone happy. And that rotation policy will probably be important in in Leipzig as well. It's a big squad and you know some good players and and it might surprise us to see maybe someone who hasn't played as much this season will come into the four and, and be a key player because Marsh will believe in them to fit their style and they will just thrive with the with the confidence placed in them. So yeah, uh, interesting squad, interesting season ahead and yeah in general. Uh, really interesting to see how how um, Jesse Marsh will do. Yeah, I think we've said it all. I mean, a very unique situation that uh, Red Bull have have chosen to build. Uh, just these these all these successful clubs at all these different levels, um, and then the coaching aspect, how they just you know have a a very defined way of playing that ironically matches the. Uh, <laughs> the uh, point of their their product, their energy drink, very direct, yeah. very very energetic. Um, but it's it's a it's a unique business model, uh, one that's only emerged in the last you know 15, 20 years where clubs kind of do this colonization of, like effort. but I, Red Bull, I don't even want to say that's what they're doing. That seems a little bit more like what city football group are doing, but yeah. Red Bull are, I think are, are, are really just building a clear uh, pathway. And uh, yeah. who knows? I mean, the 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 soccer market in the U.S. is only growing, and so I mean, I feel like their their uh, form format and their formula might be the uh, the uh, successful uh, way forward. And uh, I, I think New York Red Bulls have always been a very successful team in in MLS, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that they will only continue uh, with this uh, with 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 the uh, presence of all the clubs in Europe and. Uh, in Brazil mm. as well, but uh, it's going to be. Yeah, I can't wait to see what Jesse Marsh does at this level with a uh, with a talented team like he's about to have. Mm. So anyway, I guess that I guess that there you have it. Uh, let's remind folks again to uh, definitely take a look at the piece that David wrote for the blog uh, on Jesse Marsh's tactics and what he's going to bring to the Bundesliga next season. That is. Uh, a blog that is on our blog, uh, runningtheshowblog.wordpress.com. And uh, yeah, um, what an interesting topic. And I hope we get to revisit this uh, this uh, team, uh, Leipzig in particular, and Jesse Marsh and see how they're doing in the Bundesliga. Um, it's a very unique system, like we've just said. So anyway, um, we will uh, be back with more of that soon enough, I'm sure. So Thanks, David. We appreciate it, man. Have a great uh, day over there in Sweden, and uh, we will see you all soon. Thanks for tuning in.